Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. I want to encourage you guys to listen to Todd's message from last week. It was absolutely incredible. And since 80% of us were out on camping trips and other things that we do in the fall, I want to encourage you to go back, take the 30 minutes, the time, and on your commute to and from work or something like that, listen to his message because he talks about what a privilege it is to be in the family of God. And it was absolutely beautiful. It was a beautiful message. And I really think that it it has the power to begin to transform us and to change the way that we think in regards to the way that the family of God should operate. So a couple of the things that he talked about, he used the word privilege a lot. And one of the things that he said that I I really loved, and I'm not going to give you a lot of it because I want you to go back and listen to it. But he talked about how In our culture right now, the word privilege has become an evil word. Um, And he broke that mindset off of us last week. He just talked about the fact that as we have become sons and daughters of God, we have stepped into privilege because the, the blessings of the cross, the blessings of what it looks like to step into being a child of God means that we've stepped into privilege, right? It doesn't make us better than the world right? We just talked about that. We all become level at the cross, humbly before him, recognizing where we're at and that we need to grow, right? And that we're just working through what it looks like to be righteous. It doesn't make us better, but what it does do is it gives us responsibility, right? With great privilege comes great responsibility, That was a quote that he had also given. It's a great quote because it's really true. And then he talked about some of the privileges that that we have. It's the gifts of God that he's given to us. Each one of us, if we've come into the kingdom and we know God for ourselves, he's actually become our Savior and our Lord, which means he's over us, right? Then we have gifts that he's given us, right? And how with those gifts comes responsibility. Did you know that? Brandy, I'm going to be all over the place today. So there was a phrase um, actually out of uh, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. There was a quote that the uh, Father Christmas gave um, when he pulled up to the children. I don't know if you guys haven't seen this movie, but it doesn't really matter. Um, it says, these gifts are tools, not toys. And then what happened is these, these kids became, they began to run, like they began to fight for their lives and for the lives of the people around them. And each one of them had been given a gift. And if they hadn't chosen to step into the responsibility of using that gift, people around them were going to die. Right? People around them were going to die. Because the gifts that were given are tools, they're not toys. The gifts that were given are with the reception of the, is that the right word, of the gift, with us receiving the gift, and we take it and we begin to own it. We now have a responsibility to steward it, right? So we've been given this gift of stewardship, 
What are we doing with it? What are we doing with it? I have some stories to tell you, and before I start, I'm going to tell you, I very likely am going to offend somebody today. Okay? So, choose to not be offended, because it's a choice, right? (laughs) Sean's like, whew, it's not me. I don't have to offend people. Okay, so I'm going to tell you a story. It's not my story. It's actually a story from a book, so I'm not quoting it. I'm not going to read it to you. I am going to just tell you what I remember of it and the parts of it that were impactful to me, okay? So I might miss some pieces, and if you ever hear her story, you'll probably be like, wow, she told a lot better than Misty did. Well, that's because it's her story, not mine, okay? So I was reading a book. um, Actually, I was listening to a book by Christine Kane. You'll hear me say that a lot because I love Christine Kane and I love her books. And so (laughs) she's, she's amazing. And so she was telling this story about how... Um, when she was a, a young mother, she, she went to church, and she didn't grow up really in a church. She didn't really have a, an understanding of, she grew up in a, in a different style of church, I should say, one that was um, not, her heart wasn't connected to the Lord through it. It was more of just religion that she was going to. So she's now saved. She has her first baby, and she's Greek, and she's in a non-Greek culture, and she's trying to figure out how in the world to raise her children. But she goes to church, and she really, really wants to be able to take her child, her daughter, to the nursery. But she's terrified because her child does what most of our children do in the first few times we take them to the nursery, and they do the forearm and leg wrap and cling, right? And so they like so she's taking her daughter downstairs, and her daughter has like literally turned into the monkey like she is not going to let go she's clinging with everything in her I don't know what I'm doing here it's not me okay um and so her daughter is like in like cling mode I'm not gonna she's buried her head in her neck and she is like you're not gonna peel like you cannot separate the two of us okay it's like Jesus and us in our relationship and right like and so she was like we are gonna model this today you are not separating from me mom right and so but Christine needed a minute with Jesus in her worship service. And she said, she goes, I went downstairs and she goes, and I can't tell you how thankful I was that they were older women who have been there. She, she goes, these older women looked at me and they said, oh, sweetie, we've got her. We've got her. You know, let me help you peel her off of you. Right? I've had this happen multiple times. We've got her. We're going to take care of her. You go and worship Jesus, and if we need you, we'll call you, but just trust us. And through tears, like tears are pouring down her face, and she allows her daughter to be peeled off of her, and she takes a step of faith, and she leaves her with these women, and she goes out. And miraculously, she gets through the entire worship service. She's never called. And she heads back downstairs, and she finds that her daughter is happy and plain, And she comes in and she's like, what did you do? How did you make this happen? Tell me everything. She said, and for the next like 10 years, these women walked with her as an older mother to a younger mother and showed her what it looked like to model motherhood to her. This is how we do things. Let's pray for your children. Like, you're in a hard place. Let me show you how to do this. She said that she looked, she, she, her question in the book, let me, let me ask these questions. This is kind of what she had said. Again, these were my language from what I remember from what she said. 
What would have happened if I had tried to drop off my child to another young mother who herself was exhausted and in the same place I was? What would have happened? We could have agreed together that it was hard. She couldn't help me. She didn't have the wisdom to help me. She said, what I needed was help. I needed a mom who had the grace to show me how to walk through this. She needed someone who was going to tell her that it was going to be all right. She needed another mom who had been in the place that she had and had survived and thrived out of it. She goes, I needed the older generation loving me where I needed it most, in my motherhood, in my moment, in my fear, in my place of doubt. And do you know what it did? It broke open this place where she suddenly was able to go, tell me everything you know. Disciple me in motherhood because you had something figured out. I want to challenge us today from the older generation to the younger generation and everybody in between. Are we serving people? Are we really serving people? Are we looking around? We're calling this family. Are we looking around and actually treating it like family? What do we do with our sister's kids when they need a break? Whew, she looks like she clearly needs a break. <laughs> Blessings. I'm too busy. Is that how we treat our sisters? What do we do? We come alongside, right? Like Mary Nell, her, sis- her sister drops off her children from another state and takes off for a week. <laughs> you can do that? I don't know. But... <laughs> Marinelle's like, stop, stop right there. (laughs) Guys, right? Isn't this what family does? Family sees a need and they, they work to meet it. They look to serve their siblings. They look to serve their parents. They look, as a parent, they look to serve their kids. As grandparents, they serve, right? Isn't that what it looks like? A healthy family serves one another. Are we doing a good job with that here? Are we doing a good job with that here? I've heard it said, this is where I step on toes, and I'm going to pick on the downstairs, the children's department. Why? I'm going to pick on it because there's two reasons. One, it's the place nobody ever wants to serve, right? It's the place that we consider it to be the least of these in the church, right? And two, because while we have a need down there, that's not the point. The point is we have a need in our hearts that we have to begin to understand, all right? And it's a great description to be able to show you what it looks like, okay? I'm going to talk about kids some. I've heard it said by some of you, I've done my time. Guys, it's not a prison. I'm not joking. It's not a prison. There are no bars downstairs, and maybe there should be, but there's not. <laughs> right? There's, it's not a prison. It's a privilege. And you're not just serving the kids. You're not just babysitting children. You're actually blessing parents. 
if your view is you're going downstairs just to wipe noses and keep them happy while the mom and dad hears Jesus, you're not probably going to really step into understanding what service looks like. If we go down there going, I know because I've been there that these moms are totally done. They're totally done. By the time they step into church, they're exhausted, and it's only like now 10 o'clock in the morning. All right? They're exhausted. They need two hours. I can give two hours a month. That's no big deal to serve them. And then what happens? The moment that their kids start to get attached to you, they come in, they go, how did you make the child do that? My child never listens to me. What do you do? Can you help me? Can you show me the way? Can you disciple me? Right? It says in Titus, I think I have that scripture, Titus 2. Titus 2, 4 and 5. This is not just to older women, just so you know. It says to older women. Older women, teach, which means to encourage, disciple, or train the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children, and to be self-controlled and pure, taking care of their household and being devoted to their husbands. By doing these things, the word of God will not be discredited. Let me just say to you older generation, I say that anybody who is 40 and up, okay, in all the places that you have your children, do this. Serve. Serve the younger generation. There are so many of it. We don't live next to our parents anymore. We don't live next to our grandparents anymore. We don't live next to our family anymore. This is a lot, all we have for a lot of us. Right? So if we are trying, I, we lived in India for the first two, or, two years of Elijah's life and six months of Eden's life, and both of my children had colic. They were there from week eight till, for Elijah for, till two, like two and a half years old with colic in the middle of the night, screaming for hours and hours and hours. I would have given anything to call my mom, to pass him off to my mom for a minute and just said, can I breathe for a minute? I didn't have that luxury, and there are so many people here who don't have that luxury. Right? There are so many of us here who maybe can't call their parents because their parents aren't safe. Right? But think about it from beyond our children. Think about that if we are here in this place, this community, and we don't have family or friends around us, who helps us? Who disciples us? Who helps us learn how to walk through life as a Christian? That's what we're called to do, right? My job as a pastor, Sean's job as a pastor, Kayla's job as a pastor is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. What's your job? To do the work of the ministry. Okay? <laughs> your job is to do the work of the ministry. What is the ministry? Well, it means serving, right? Let me read. I'm going to read. I'm going to read too much because they tell us you're only supposed to read like two verses. And I'm going to read more than that. All right, so we're going to start reading out of Romans 12. The first, Brandy, before you put up verse 3, I'm going to actually read verses 1 and 2 because they didn't stop. There's no, there's no gap in the letter, okay? There's no gap in the letter. There's no shift in the conversation. He says, Beloved friends, what should our proper response to God's marvelous mercies be? 
I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices. What does that mean? That means that we come in and we lay our life down, we make him Lord, and we stay alive and we are his, at his disposal. That's what it means. Everything in us is at his disposal. And to live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. God has given me grace to speak a warning about pride. I would ask each of you to be emptied of self-promotion and not create a false image of your importance. Instead, honestly assess your worth by using your God-given faith as a standard of measurement, and then you will see your true value with an appropriate self-esteem. In the human body, there are many parts and organs, each with a unique function. And so it is in the body of Christ, for though there, we are many, we've all been mingled into one body in Christ. This means that we are all vitally joined to one another, each contributing to the others. God's marvelous grace imparts to each one of us varying gifts and ministries that are uniquely ours. So if God has given you the grace, gift of prophecy, you must activate your gift by using the proportion of your faith that you have to prophesy. If your grace gift is serving, then thrive in serving others well. If you have the grace gift of teaching, then be actively teaching and training others. If you have the grace gift of encouragement, then use it often to encourage others. If you have the grace gift of giving to meet the needs of others, then may you prosper in your generosity without any fanfare. And if you have the gift of leadership, be passionate about your leadership. And if you have the gift of showing compassion, then flourish in your cheerful display of compassion. Let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another and never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. We're going to skip a few verses down to 16. And it says this, live happily together in the spirit of harmony and be as mindful of another's worth as you are of your own. Don't live with a lofty mindset thinking that you are too important to serve others, but be willing to do the menial tasks and identify with those who are humble-minded. Did you hear that last part? Don't think that you are too important to serve others, but be willing to do the menial tasks and to identify with those who are humble-minded. And in case you were thinking, okay, well, that gets me off because I'm prophetic and there's no prophetic ministry in church, so therefore I don't have to do anything, let me, hear, let me read to you 1 Peter and then talk to you about that. 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11 says, Whatever be the gifts which each has received, you must use them for one another's benefit as good stewards of God's many-sided kindness. Another version says, As each of you has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another. If anyone... Preaches, let him be as uttering God's truth. If anyone renders a service to others, let it be in strength which God supplies, so that in everything glory may be given to God in the name of Jesus Christ. We're doing it for the glory of God, right? So say my, the gift, the privilege that I've been given is that I have prophetic words that I give. But Harvest doesn't really have a prophetic ministry, so that means I don't have to serve. Is that what it means? Or does it mean that if you have the prophetic gift, go downstairs and join the, the elementary and prophesy over every single little kid and their parents and the teachers. And then when you're done, come upstairs and find everybody in the church that you can and lay hands on them and prophesy over them. 
Maybe don't lay your hands on them unless you ask, okay? Right? If you have, so it doesn't say that if you have the gift of serving, then that's all, then you get to serve. So we only have people who serve who have the gift of serving. You know, it says serve, and if you have the gift of serving, do it with the right heart. In my house, we have chores, right? Family usually has chores. There's responsibilities that my children have, right? They have two options to do those. They still have to do them. They can either do them out of love and an act of service and laying their lives down with joy, or they can do them with grumbling and complaining. They're still going to get their jobs done, right? We all, as parents, want them to do it with joy and love. We want them to recognize that when we are serving, we're actually serving people. When we are doing a chore, we're actually blessing the people around us, right? That's what our heart as a parent is. My, my, my heart isn't just that my house is clean, although that would be beautiful. My heart is that my children learn that there's an act of selflessness that happens when we begin to love one another through the acts of service. But I want to challenge you here. Here's the question. Oh, I missed this. In 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it says, But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. This is the gift he's talking about. And it's for the common good. The common good means for the advantage of everyone. So our gifts that we've received from Jesus at the moment of salvation, we receive this beautiful gift. We have an obligation then to do something with it, right? A responsibility, I should say it like that. We have a responsibility to do something for the common good of the body of Christ. Of the body of Christ. And if we choose to withhold our responsibility and say, "Mm, I'm not going to serve, you can't take my time. What happens? If something is for the common good, what happens if it's removed from us? There's lack, right? If we have something to give and we choose to reserve it, but the body needs it, what happens? If I don't get certain vitamins in my life, maybe I'll just make it simple. If I don't drink water, what happens in my body? I'll die at at some point, yeah. Dehydrated, you know, like there's a whole process. You get really bad migraines. Trust me, I've been there. You start to hallucinate. I've been there too. Like it's bad. You die, right? When we have a gift and a responsibility given to us and we choose to withhold it, we are actually harming those around us that we say that we love. Now, I'm not saying this to condemn anybody. I'm saying this to understand. So many times in the body of Christ, we forget this. Part of it's our culture because our culture has been raised up and even though we're not Roman Catholic anymore, that that culture is still there of this I think they call it a high church mentality of the priests come in and they do everything and they're the ones who are the ministers of God and they are the ones who get to pray for you and they get to you know, forgive your sins and they get to have you go do 15 Hail Marys and blah, 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 right? That's not how it is here. In the body of Christ, you guys have become ministers. You guys have become ambassadors for Christ. Sean and I's job, the pastor's job is to equip you 
right, to do the work of the ministry. Sean and I are supposed to do the work of the ministry, and we are supposed to train you and equip you to do the work of the ministry. But how do we do that? Right, we do that by teachings like this, where we say, hey, if you've said things like, you can't make me, or I'm not going to go do that, or I refuse to go and scrub a toilet, or I refuse to go downstairs, and I'd rather scrub a toilet than go deal with my children downstairs, or I've been there, done that, you can't make me go back down to the kids, guys. Are we so prideful to think that we're above serving? What does Jesus say about that? The person who wants to be the greatest among you, he lays down his life in service, right? That's what Jesus says. So those of us who want to be great, we go low and we serve. That's why Jesus was washing the disciples' feet in Judas's feet the moments before Judas betrayed him because Jesus was a servant, right? He was a servant. I want to encourage you guys to think about something as, you, as we wrap up here. I want you to start to think about this. What is my gift? And how does it need to be demonstrated in this community? What does the community need from me here? What, is, what do my fellow brothers and sisters need? Because if I begin to look at this like family, I go, ooh, that mom probably needs me. But you know what she doesn't need? She doesn't need me to try to talk to her while her kid is screaming in her face and try to tell her about how to be a parent when her child is not in the mood to let anybody hear her mom, their mom, right? We've all been there. We've been lectured by some person, you know, about our parenting skills right in the middle of a tantrum. It doesn't help the mom. I promise you, I've been there, right? What does help is in love serving, That's what it says in Galatians 5.13. It says, in love, serve one another. Hey, it looks like, could I take your child for a couple couple hours, and I'm going to go grab them ice cream and hang out with them for a few minutes. Here's a gift card to Starbucks. Go enjoy yourself a cup of coffee. Right? If I have the gift of serving, then I go downstairs, or I go into the kitchen, or I go into the sound booth, or I go anywhere in the church. I look around, and I say, hey, how can I serve? What needs to happen today? What can I do here? How can I be available at Harvest? Because these are my brothers and sisters, and I have a responsibility. And if I have the gift of prophecy, or I have the gift of maybe compassion, right? then I use it in my serving. I don't wait for the church to create an avenue where I go, ooh, that's my place. I am going to be the compassion queen. No, no. Be the compassion queen everywhere you go. Right? Serve out of compassion. Right? Give out of love. You know, if you have a gift of giving, then every single mom that you see, give them something. Whether it's a hug, it's a Starbucks card, it's whatever. Right? Like, find something that you can do that would bless people around you. Begin to have eyes of a servant. Right? When we have been in service roles in our past, Sean and I, our goal, like if you're standing there and you're like dealing with a, an event and you're a server, what are you doing? You're watching for the needs, right? You're watching people's water cups. You're constantly watching for a spill. You're, you're paying attention to whether or not that child needs something. You're, you're, you're constantly, your eyes are looking around and going, 
what is needed here? What do I need to do? How can I serve? How can I make this amazing for that person, right? What would it look like if the church understood their privilege of service? And they began to look around to see what needs they could meet every single time they walked in. What would it look like? It would look like family. And what is it that people need the most in their life? They need to be known and to know people. They need family. Not unhealthy family. That's weird and controlling and abusive. They need to see what it looks like to have the kingdom of God modeled in family like Jesus modeled it. Right? So when we talk about this, like, the lordship of Jesus, and we think about the fact that Jesus was the servant of all. He literally came and died for us as a servant. Everything he did was a life laid down, right? He came from glory, and he stepped into our broken mess because he loved us. And then he laid down his life every single day for three and a half years or so of ministry that he did, right? Every single day, he didn't consider his life better than everybody else's. Instead, he sacrificed, and he loved, and he, and he touched the lepers, and he healed the broken, and he saw people, and he fed them, and he, does that make sense? He walked with them out of sin and out of darkness, and he encouraged them, and he blessed them, right? What would it look like if we began to say, God, I've been given this great privilege and these gifts, and I know that I have a responsibility then to then turn around to one another, because that's what these scriptures are talking to. They're talking to the body of Christ, to the one another's here. That means Christians. And we begin to serve and to lay our life down for every single person, not only in our little niche of our gifting, but through our gifting, serve in every capacity that's available. What would it look like? I think that we could change Warrensburg. Why? Because when people start to recognize that family and people love each other, are here at Harvest, they're going to start coming. And then what's going to happen is we're going to find that serving actually fills us up and makes us overflow with, with joy. And we're going to want to do that more. And we're going to find ourselves spilling out into the world, which is where we need to be, right? Right? Isn't that what this is about? It starts with learning to do it here. The last two things... Who doesn't serve in a family? I think this is important to say. The dog doesn't serve, but we're not dogs. In my family, who doesn't serve in my family are infants, not toddlers, because my toddlers start to clean, right? Clean up, clean up, everybody everywhere, right? Like we start teaching them from like walking age, right? Because my kids were destructo kings, all of them. Okay, so infants... Infants don't serve, and when you're really sick, <laughs> unless you're an adult or mom, then you doesn't matter. You know. Some dads still serve when they're sick, but let's be honest, Justin. <laughs> All right, but here's the thing, right? Like, if you're sick and in bed and you have the flu, you probably aren't serving unless you don't have anybody to help serve, right? But children... Children in the house, when they're sick, they get, for me, they get a pass, right? But they have to be, they have to be legit, legit sick, <laughs> legit sick, like fevers. I have to know that it's happening, right? 
But what does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? Fever thrown up, right? But what does that mean? It means that infants don't have the capacity to serve because they're trying to figure out what in the world is happening in their world because everything just shifted and they need a few minutes, right? To begin to figure out how to eat and breathe and live and, right? Have their diaper changed. That's what they need to know. That's an infant. That's a newborn believer. And then the sick, the people who are walking through Galatians 6.1, right? They're in the process of restoration, and they might need to take a few minutes so they can focus 100% of their attention on their process of restoration so that they can become healthy and then serve, right? So Scripture doesn't give those caveats. Those are misties. Okay, the Bible says when you're in the body of Christ, you serve. But I am saying there are times and seasons where we might have a moment where we're not serving because we're brand new or because we're working through something and we need to, right? But everybody else has a responsibility called a privilege, right? That we get to step into and learn how to love with hands-on. Not just a smile on Sundays where we say, oh, I love you, you're great, you're amazing, go out, I know that you're crazy, I know that you're, not you're crazy, but like your whole, like everything's falling apart around you, be blessed and warm and filled, right? No, we need to come alongside people, we need to have eyes to see, and we need to lay down our life serving the people around us really, really well, okay? That's what it looks like to be part of family. Family loves each other and they serve, they have eyes to see. Right? And we can never get so prideful to think that we ever have outgrown the need for service. If Jesus never outgrew service, then who are we to ever think that we're too big for our britches? Right? And that we should be served. Right? That's coming from the top down. Sean and I have always said, like, we're here to serve. Like, we want to serve. We, we're doing stuff. We're always working on something, you know, here at the church. And we're asking you guys to look at that and begin to have eyes to see. Begin to truly lay down your life to serve and to love one another, all right? Yeah, Jesus, we just, we thank you that you modeled something so incredible. You modeled a life laid down. God, you modeled having eyes of love for every single person and you saw their need and you saw them in their need and you... You walk straight up to the people who have leprosy, God, and you just reached your hand right into all their goo, and you just said, I love you, and, I, and you restored them, God. That was compassion at work. Jesus, would you have us, let, let us have compassion like that. You gave prophetic words. You, you shared with people. You loved on people. You poured them. You saw the one, God. You saw the broken. Jesus, there are people that are broken right here within our own midst. God, help us to have eyes to see. Would you forgive any of us who have ever thought to themselves, well, I've done my time there. In whatever service capacity or service at all, Jesus, would you forgive us for sinning, for thinking that we are too good to serve or thinking that we've outgrown service, God. God, we want to be like you. We want to be led by your spirit. We want to be, yeah, we want to be shepherded by you, Jesus, where you lead us and guide us and show us how to live and move. And part of that is seeing those around us and loving them really well. So Jesus, we just say that as we step into the first commandment of loving you with everything, God, that we easily glide into the second one that says love everybody else around us like we love you. Let us have eyes to see and let it start right here in Jesus' name.
Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarnsburg.com. We hope to see you soon.